0: Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records across the world. And then, of course, as we always do, we subsequently break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And here we are, Tony. Yes. Into, I guess, the new year. I was yes. going to say, we're, we're through the holiday season. We are. It's begun. The new year and started. You- And we want to thank our sponsors, don't we, Jody? Oh, like nobody's business. And I will say this, not to give him a swelled or inflated ego, but John Mutton from Municipal Solutions, who is obviously our presenting sponsor, he has the number one downloaded show in our existence, yes, he
1: has done very well. I think he's got lots of friends and family, <laughs> and uh, d- an interesting a uh, life story. I think that's uh, I think that's true of John, who is still uh, in Warsaw, by the way. You, are you going to cue up the music for him, or, or am
0: I? No, ready? I don't. Have, I don't have the music ready. Sorry about that. We had some steel I, I, drums. I, yeah,
1: there, because John Mutton is in the sunny climes of Warsaw, Poland. we yeah. are listening to some steel drums as we speak but municipalsolutions.ca is still working hard on business development, market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations and public policy development municipalsolutions.ca the lion may sleep be sleeping tonight but municipalsolutions.ca is working for you
0: excellent so we are so appreciative of John and his support and also a quick shout out to our other one of our other sponsors Lord and Lady Coffee lordandlady.ca you can check out their medium roast called the one as well as their new Colombian fair trade organic dark roast called Midnight Voyage Uh, You can find that at lordandlady.ca. We ship anywhere in Canada. Spend over 40 bucks and shipping is free. And I should notice, I mentioned this, Tony, a decaf. We have a decaf Colombian option coming in just a couple weeks through Lord and Lady Coffee. So I expect to see a big order from you. Yeah, decaf. Okay, that's that's a really good innovation. That's
1: fantastic. Oh, and now Jody, we have three three products now. So that's no, insane. I know, I know. It's like it's uh, it's like Christmas in July for Lord and Lady Coffee. It's uh, great to see your company doing well and uh, the other folks that are working hard in that uh, startup uh, during COVID. Not easy to start up something new in COVID, but you're doing it. Congratulations! And Jody, I also want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, for commenting on my Facebook post. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell that story because it's funny. So I, I was just walking by, uh, just about 400 yards down from my house in my community of Port Sydney, Muskoka, Ontario, Canada. And uh, they, they've uh, they've flooded uh, uh, the parking lot near the uh, the town dock and made a skating rink there. And so there were some skaters skating around, you know, families with uh, young kids and so on, a couple of people with some hockey sticks. And I took the nice picture saying, oh, isn't this nice? A nice winter scene from Muskoka, uh, people skating uh, near the town dock. And then Jody got the ball rolling and said, you know, why aren't those people being arrested for COVID-19? No, no, no. I
0: said, I just commented, shut
1: it down, (laughs) shut it down. And then it just the torrent of sarcasm.
0: People were like, where are their masks? Where are the police? Where <laughs> I was laughing so hard because I'm like, are you kidding me? They're out there skating. Leave them alone. Exactly. But anyway, that's the world that we're in, isn't it, Jody? It is. So that leads perfectly into our guest today. We're excited uh, to welcome a member of the provincial legislature here in Ontario. And I know, Tony, you and I were talking about getting uh, one of the younger dynamic MPPs, someone that's out there hustling. Uh, on the uh, on the ground for the betterment of their constituents. Um, so we did that. We reached out to Lorne Coe. He wasn't available, but uh, we are excited to welcome the member for Provincial Parliament for Northumberland, Peterborough South. He's a good friend. He, there's no question he'll be a minister at some point soon. Uh, please welcome David Piccini. David Piccini. David. Yeah. Hey guys,
1: thanks for having me. Yeah, fantastic. David, to welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks. No, it's great to be on. Love it,
2: and uh, loved your post as well.
0: What did you What did you think of my intro there, David? And you can be honest.
2: Oh, I thought it was great. Lauren's a good friend. He's uh, dynamic MPP too. Love to uh, always he's get. Spy. He's spry. He's spry.
0: <laughs> and uh, not to put he you on the spot, David. No. So. Uh, he's is he the whip? Yes, he is. Oh, geez. Okay. Don't play this for him then. I don't want to get in trouble.
1: What a fun job he has being the whip uh, during a lockdown, eh? Yeah.
0: Oh, I know. Seriously. Um, I got to tell this quick story and maybe David has a different recollection, but so David and I met um, years ago, well not years ago. I think around 2014-15 we both ran in the federal election. Uh, for the Conservative Party in the 2015 election, uh, and got to know each other there through some mutual friends. Because well, Adam Moulton, who was running in where you are now, uh, you knew Adam very well, and you ran. What was your riding again, Ottawa? Ottawa Zanier, most Ottawa liberal in the country. Yeah, and who was the who like is that? Who was the Liberal uh, the, uh, that ran that year? It was uh, Mauril Belanger, who's okay. now yeah, the late Mauril
1: Belanger. The late Maureen, that's right. Belanger. Absolutely. Yeah. So you had a,
0: we both had big, big hills to climb. And, uh, but anyway, so I got to know David through that. And then this was an interesting thing at one point for the provincial, uh, nomination in North emerald Peterborough South. Cause I worked in Brighton for a, a while. I was interested in exploring that. And I started to look at possibly running in that opportunity and reached out to David and David was fully supportive. And then I kind of just was like, yeah, I just don't think it's a good fit. And then you, you were you wanted to embrace it and go after it because I think you had thought about it as well and 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 so you went after it and won the nomination and hustled hard and refresh my memory again who who were some of the other people that were running because it was a good slate of people that you ran against was it not
2: yeah there was a few more but when it uh, when it came down to it I teed off against former MPP Rob Milligan
0: oh that's right All right that's right that's right so it was a good uh, a good tilt, but, uh, that was good. We yeah. had a great nom. Uh, we,
2: we had, I think one volunteer for every 10, 10 voters. We had over seven, 800 people show up out of the almost 2000 that I sold. It was great. It went really well.
0: Excellent. So anyway, I, 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 did I do that story justice or was, did I miss something or was that good? No, you did it
2: justice. People in Port Hope and Coburg said Jody who,
0: so. <laughs> ooh. I'm kidding wow not okay a, so that's 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 the tone that sets the tone for our line well, go <laughs> so i wake up this morning and i see david pacini's face on my phone not because it's a screensaver but because it's a uh, quinney news uh did a story which is a um local news outlet in eastern ontario but you were talking about uh pandemic bounce back and Let's let's get some of the formalities out of the way, David. I'll let you use some of the uh you know the key things that you guys are talking about right now for the province of Ontario. But what is what is the key to bouncing back from this pandemic?
2: Well, I, I think obviously the economy is number one, and we can talk about that. I think in Quinty uh, news, one of the things I've I've been really proud about is that, you know, the structural changes to our healthcare system, the the system changes that we've seen Uh, since we became to government when i came into government we had one hospice running we had no community paramedicine uh, program we didn't have embedded nurses uh, into our our police response we uh, we didn't have an ontario health team Uh, our hospital was historically underfunded our small and medium-sized hospitals flash forward to today We've provided the increase in funding that's given hospitals the breathing room they need. Um, we, we dealt with the challenges at Campbellford Memorial. When I was knocking on doors, people were saying, hey, we're, we're concerned you're going to shut that hospital down. And I think Premier Ford and Minister Elliott really understood the importance of medium-sized hospitals, um, small hospitals in rural Ontario. We addressed the historic funding and equity Um, invested in community paramedicine. We're really shifting from uh, a a system that deals with chronic uh, disease management to chronic disease prevention and and going upstream. And and I am really proud of that. I know that without question, the realities in long-term care Uh, Today, those listening will say, well, you got a lot of work to do. And we do. Uh, There's no disputing that. There's a lot to do in long term care. But even there, if you look with Golden Plough, brand new state of the art facility and so many across the province, I mean, you stack that up against the paltry 611 beds that were built under the Liberals tenure over a decade. Um, You fast forward to today, we've got more coming online and redeveloped in our region alone. So um, I'm, I'm really excited, and I, I think, you know, it's it's not without uh, lessons learned. It's a very, it's a challenging file, but I, you know, I, I do think we're on the right path. And I think, you know, heading into the next election, uh, we'll have a, a, you know, a, a strong a track record to run on in healthcare and uh, obviously the economy. We've got to bounce back, once again, become the engine of uh, the Canadian economy. And we were close uh, on the outset of COVID, of course. We still have more manufacturing jobs today than we did then, so um, we've got uh, a lot a lot of work still still left to do.
0: Before Tony jumps in, I just I just wanted to follow up on your chat there about uh, healthcare and medicine, and and I will say this. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I think you're a good guy, but you have done a lot. I've seen a lot of announcements. I've seen a lot of funding flow into Northumberland, Peterborough, South. But I would ask you it's never enough. And you, you see that you see the negativity online, you see the negativity out there. It wouldn't matter how many hospital beds or hospice beds you created. There's always going to be a chunk of society that says, well, we need more. How do you, how do you deal or work through hearing those types of comments and still, you know, maintain the wherewithal to keep pushing forward? Cause I'm sure sometimes it, it can be, it can feel like it's a defeatist attitude that you're picking up on, but I'm just curious, how do you deal with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think in today's social media cycle and 150 characters or less, that it, it doesn't really, it, it's not conducive to productive dialogue. I embrace criticism. I always embrace suggestions. But I really lean on uh, the people I represent. So when I get a call over Christmas from from paramedics wondering about the vaccine rollout, but who also take the time to say, hey, it's really great that we can practice our, our skill set in a non-emergency setting, thanks to the community paramedicine program that the Ford government funded in our community. When I talk to um, rural, uh, you know, our rural vaccine rollout with the family health team and the paramedics, again, uh, that are supporting that, and think of the move uh, to Ontario health team in Northumberland. We were one of the first 24 teams in uh, the province of Ontario. That sort of community-based partnerships um, that's really evident in in Northumberland, Peterborough South, and um, and and in speaking to people on the front lines. I mean, that's where I draw my inspiration. They're doing a phenomenal job. When I talk to a nurse that says, "Dave, because of the liberal cuts, we merged our inpatient units A and B at Northumberland Hills Hospital," and I'm walking around the hospital an hour after I my shift to decompress. Well, good news. That uh, unit's now been been split again, and and we're able to. Hire more frontline workers. Uh, we've given the hospital the breathing room, and Jody, we're not incentivizing sickness. Where if you know we're only going to fund you when you're when you're chocker block full of sick sick people. No, we're investing in transitional bed funding to get. Alternate level of care patients, so what does that mean? That means, you know, your grandparent for perhaps that need rehabilitation work after a hip replacement or what have you, getting them in the appropriate care setting, not in the emergency room. So we've, we've got a lot of work still left to do without question, but um, we we encountered a, a healthcare system on the brink. Hallway healthcare was a real thing, and, and we're taking
1: steps to, to right that ship. David, um, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned those things, especially access to rural health care. i It was way back eighteen years ago when I was ontario health minister. i I opened the first uh, nursing station in Peterborough. We started the health teams, but to have it uh, to be available to more Ontarians, particularly in rural settings, I'm glad that you're taking that step. the the Obviously, the thing, that I'm sure your constituents are talking about right now, however, is related to COVID and uh, how we get out of the, uh, the this, this massive second outbreak that we've had. And, of course, it's been overshadowed in the last few days by uh, cabinet ministers, MPs, MLAs, whoever, uh, sort of being caught out and going... To sunnier climes when the public health advice was stay closer to home. So, what I I guess the the way I'll ask the question: What are you hearing from your constituents about this?
2: Well, you know, I'm hearing frustration, without question. You know, and 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 I'm frustrated too, uh, Tony. When I, um, you know, you're no stranger to late nights uh, working in the office. To you know, Christmas Eve, I was in the office. you know, I've got a, a, a spouse at home. I've got, you know, I'd much rather be home with her and my dogs, but I'm, I'm returning uh, calls well into the evening on Christmas Eve in the office, Christmas and Boxing Day, making a couple calls as well. And I what I hear from constituents is they're frustrated. They're Dave, I, a, a grandmother who said, I haven't hugged my grandkid. Personally, that hits host, close to home as well. My mom, who's had double bout with cancer, you know, she's, she's wanted to just give me a hug. And I've wanted to give her a hug too. And it's just, it's frustrating when you have people at the pulpit saying, you know, don't travel, uh, heed the public health advice and and this, we're all in it together. You know what? I'll, I'll be frank. Bullshit is what people say. Um, we're not in it all together if you're not taking these steps together. So no doubt there's frustration. I will say this, um, you know, the, I think that, Let's be cognizant that we don't create a climate in politics where it's a race to the bottom in terms of who represents us. I do think, you know, politicians, many, it's an admirable a choice to serve the public. Um, and and people put in a lot of long hours. So no doubt, um, you know, they want time with their family, et cetera. But when you're in a global pandemic, we're saying we're in this together. We're We're quite literally making very, very, serious decisions locking down swaths of our economy you've got to lead by example you've got to be held to a higher account and i know premier ford takes that seriously and uh and 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 we saw you know the minister um show leadership in resigning i I think here and um you know i think we're seeing this now sadly um you know not maybe with the same fervor but we're seeing it now across uh, the The rest of of Canada, and I mean fervor in terms of how the media are reporting it, but we're certainly seeing it across the country now.
0: David, I just wanted to follow up on what Tony said there as well. Uh, there was a recent poll that came out where nearly fifty percent of Canadians visited with family and friends outside their household over the holidays. Um, when you hear that, what's your first reaction? And also, do you think do you think trust has been lost as a whole? Can can it can we regain that, or I should say, can the government regain that with the people, or do you think that COVID or lockdown fatigue has set in way too much, and it's hard to put the the genie back in the bottle when it comes to saying, look, you can't fraternize with people outside your home.
2: Well, I think without question, there's COVID fatigue. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be one of those politicians that that um, that sticks my head into into the the personal lives of, of, of others and, and, and what they do. I know what I've seen for the most part, Jody, I know there's fatigue without question, but I've seen families and individuals, not because of government, but they're doing the right thing. They're making immense sacrifice. Um, they're heeding the public health advice. And, um, and, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing acts of kindness um, and and people going to get groceries for their next door neighbors. I'm I know that in every family there are realities, there are realities of caring for a loved one with dementia, Alzheimer's. There's so many unique realities in people's um, livelihoods that I would just say I'm inspired and constantly. Um, you know, inspired to do a better job when I see members in our community going above and beyond to support the most vulnerable, to support their loved ones their family ones. And and I think as a society, we've got to always lead with kindness, with compassion, uh, not with sort of triggered keyboard warrior reactions to, uh, to seeing someone maybe, you know, on, on the street here with a senior. Well, yeah, that senior might be suffering from early onset dementia and that kind of you know, person on their street is dropping off groceries. So, um, you know, I, that's how I try and, and, and uh, respond to things locally, but no doubt there are those who are just blatantly shirking this advice. And, and I think, um, you know, that does a disservice for everybody else in Ontario.
1: David, uh, clearly we're at a a breaking point and I I agree with you that Premier Ford made the right decision. I've known Rod Phillips for 30 years, but uh, it was really untenable to ask uh, from the population, extraordinary sacrifice, and then to have this this case, and uh, obviously Premier Kenny came to the same conclusion. In Alberta, there are two Liberal parliamentary secretaries who resigned their positions in Ottawa. So yes, I, I think that we've all come to the same conclusion because uh, you know the politicians, and I, I faced this during the SARS outbreak. The politicians who are asking uh, for extraordinary things from the population, they've got to lead by example, and uh, I think that uh, I think we've. All come to that same conclusion. So, yes. you know, I guess the question is uh, you know, uh, it's clear that uh, I'll say this because it's hard for a politician to say this. I, I think COVID is winning. Okay, like I, I don't, I don't see a, uh, you know, th- this talk in 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 April and May that we're going to beat, we're going to flatten the curve, we're going to beat COVID. Well, we're n- nobody's ever going to beat COVID anywhere in the world. What we can do is reduce the effects of COVID through a vaccine, uh, but uh, this this a- and make sure that our healthcare system has enough beds for people who are very sick with covid but to the idea of beating covid it, it it's a it's a virus it's it's in our population now it's not going to go away just like the flu is never going to go away so how does the ontario government pivot to a place and you talked about this early in this broadcast in this podcast to a place where we can reopen the economy Uh, You know, clearly the vaccine deployment is part of that. And how do we get that vaccine out there so that we can get to some sense of normalcy?
0: Well,
2: I think um, there's a a lot there, Tony. I think that first and foremost, I, I think there's a somewhat, sometimes a bit of a misconception that we as politicians have a crystal ball. And, you know, there's no question that, you know, as a first time MPP, uh, leaving a job with the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons, working internationally, and then coming back into Ontario um, to you know to live uh, you know back home and and to serve in my community, I I never thought two and a half years in I'd find myself navigating a global pandemic, um, and and I think you know when you when you also see uh, issues, people wonder you know you must have been a part of that, and and I think you know Tony I. I I don't know, but I I know that there are a lot of times I find things on the news as my constituents do as well. So we're sure. I think we're we're all you know navigating this in in the sense that we're all in this together. We're all navigating the challenges together, and how we respond are obviously are different. But I do think what you've said you've hit the nail on the head. You know I, I read I I read a great article from Stanford Northwestern a, a study that came out about you know. That that lockdowns aren't necessarily the answer. That moving forward, it, we've got to look at limited um, limited capacity in in a number of of businesses. And I'm I'm certainly a proponent. You know, I understand that these difficult measures uh, do help preserve the integrity of our system yet moving forward it's untenable it's unsustainable in the long run so as as elected members and as public policy makers we must move quickly we must lean on these these studies and uh, off of our, our some of our foremost institutions that have been working around the clock analyzing this and now we can point back to facts we can point to that stanford northwestern study and look and say you know there there has to be another way and you're right we're not We have to learn to better live with the realities of COVID-19. And that's something that I would say is going to be a challenge for all public policymakers to navigate as you balance what you hear from public health with what you hear from your constituents, what you hear from business owners, and and people who are just trying to get up every day, put food on the table for their families, the dignity of a job, of going to work. And one thing we haven't mentioned, which I think is really worth mentioning, is the growing disparity between all those employed on the public dime, and Don't get me wrong. Oh, I'm, I hear
1: that. Believe me. Yeah. I'm uh, one of them. I'm a politician. Politicians yeah. and all these public health uh, leaders have not missed a paycheck.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm an MPP here that understands that I've, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a new MPP recently elected and uh, you know, in, in Ontario certainly um, you know, you don't get involved with this for the money. MPPs in Ontario, yes, they're well reimbursed. Nobody's asking for a raise, nor have we had one in over a decade. Um, But, but I, I view my role while I understand for many listening, they think, Oh, that's rich. It's a politician. Yeah. You know, I've been a politician for two, two and a half years, but, but every four years I've got to take my job to the people. So I really take my, my job, role as a servant as as their voice seriously and it is something for all of us to to really uh, think about here and that's why we have an imperative to get this economy going for the private sector to resume for small businesses to open their doors again this is this is what we've all got to be banging our heads together and we are having these discussions as a government right now and looking at ways we can do this safely while obviously protecting the health and well-being of ontarians
1: david one last question for me um do you as a as a member of the government caucus are you being briefed on vaccine rollout and if so are you satisfied that we're going to meet the goals that we have to meet
2: yeah um premier ford and minister elliot have uh, have been great in terms of uh, bringing the caucus together and and bringing the officials the same officials that that they you know obviously they they have these officials at the cabinet table as well, and at the command table, and and we hear uh, the modeling, we pose questions, we have a robust dialogue and debate, and the vaccine rollout uh, as well, you know, our three-phased um, plan here in Ontario, obviously, um, you know, working with our frontline workers now, and when people ask seniors at home thinking, oh, a healthy frontline worker, the idea here is to when we have frontline workers off sick, when a nurse or a doctor isn't there, you know, I was just recently in ER with my girlfriend, and and I, I took some time to talk to some of the workers and our hospital. And the concern is keeping a healthy and active workforce to preserve the integrity of our system. That's why we're we're working in long term care facilities, obviously, um, immuni- you know, immunizing our. Our frontline workers, targeting vulnerable populations uh, first, congregate care settings, and then in phase two, we'll continue uh, paramedics, uh, police officers, you know, fire, etc., and uh, larger. Portions of the of the population after that, and um, you know, obviously, our elderly, and uh, are, you know, I, I remain very hopeful that, um, despite some of the challenges, obviously, we can only get out as many vaccines as were given by the feds, and obviously, I think a, a lot of us have seen now that um, that Canada has fallen behind a number of our of our allied uh, countries, Israeli United States, a number of others. But uh, but I'm confident, you know, that we can uh, get this out in the arms. We saw the the second dose being administered just yesterday. Premier Ford was on site. Again, one of the first provinces to get those second doses out. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do without question, but I'm confident in the abilities of General Hillier.
0: David Pacini, uh, we appreciate your time today. Uh, we don't want to take up too much of it because you know we know you're a busy man one last thing from me and then we can let you go but a while ago we had one of your colleagues on the show education minister steven lecce Uh, we tried to get him to like tell some jokes and be funny and he was having none of it um i'm just curious are you are you able to get him to laugh much or like what's it take to get him to you know get fired up
2: um, you know, he's a great, a great friend of mine, uh, Minister Lecce. He's done a phenomenal job in the portfolio. Um, you know, we're, we're good friends and he's, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it was just, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was you two, who knows, but he's, uh, no, I'm kidding. But Okay. Oh boy, the truth hurts. He's a, you know, he's, it's nice to see young elected members like that uh, doing well. And, you know, he's been, he's been a good friend, always very responsive to uh, inquiries and things in our community. And, um, you know, maybe uh, I will grill him though. I I think
0: I definitely have a bit of a better sense of humor though. So I'll have to grill him when I next (laughs) see him. Well, I I was going to ask this too. Does anyone have nicknames in caucus? And if so, who has the best nickname? Oh, um, hmm. Obviously I, not. If you can't come up that quick with no, one. But.
2: Yeah, no, no, I no, no good nicknames that I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm we open.
1: Used call, we used to I call Pierre
0: Polyev- Polyev- I can't
1: that. Do we What'd have to call
0: Pierre? We called Pierre Polyev Skippy. Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that one. I remember, mm-hmm. I think, I think Gary Fox, I'm pretty sure it wasn't his nickname just like Foxy or something.
1: Yeah, so. yeah foxy yeah that's right yeah
0: <laughs> very uh very uh creative name coming up with foxy for gary fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway david we appreciate your time we wish you all the best you're welcome back uh, anytime to the show that's and give our give our best to steven lecce and the premier and tell the premier to come on yeah, we. to have a big
2: fan of your show, and I'll tell uh, tell my colleagues and uh, to both of you, keep up the great work and happy new year.
0: David, always a great friend and a good friend of the show, great supporter. Uh, he hustles. I got to give him credit. Yeah. He, he works very hard. He does. And, uh, you know,
1: I, I do appreciate he uh, he didn't shy away from some questions and uh, he told us what his constituents were thinking. And, uh, you know, I can tell he's he's frustrated, too. It's it's a tough time to make these kinds of decisions when you're in uh, power in in government. And, uh, you know, they're not none of them are easy decisions at the best of times. And these aren't the best of times.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I mean, going back to what I said about putting the genie back in the bottle when it comes to trust within our population of you know saying or doing i should say what they're saying of staying home i don't know if we can walk that back to be honest because i actually believe that uh I'll, I'll, full disclosure um my in-laws have a place in florida uh but it's already rented if it wasn't rented i'd be down there like i i would go to florida right now um because i i mean i'm i'm just not worried about it and i need to get away from all this stuff and I'd be there. So, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I see more and more people saying, you know what, I see others traveling, I see others going away, why can't I? Well, those photos at, from Pearson around the holiday break of, uh,
1: you know, massive lineups and uh, full planes and so on, and you start to wonder, uh, you know, and and, and that's, that's the problem with the narrative of politicians going away uh, while encouraging us to stay at home. It, it, you know, you start to wonder, am I being the stupid one by uh, heeding their advice. And you don't want that. Look, I, I I think everybody has to make their own choices. I get that. But uh, I, I think the time, we have to show some real progress in vaccination uh, and opening up the economy because otherwise people are just going to make their own decisions.
0: Yeah, and I think, and like you said, I think the problem was that it went from being like recommendations to, you know, when John Tory says, change your personal plans for Christmas. Don't go see your loved ones. And then you have these politicians that are going and flying around, you know, the world to uh, another country for Christmas that, you know, that kind of ruins that messaging. Whereas if they had just said, look, best advice is to do this. We understand at the end of the day, you're adults, you'll make your own decisions, but if you can, please alter your plans. But they were so hardcore about it that I I think they kind of screwed themselves.
1: Yeah. I think they're in a box now, quite frankly, I agree with you on that, but uh, uh, you know, let's, let's see what happens in the next two to three weeks We're we're in the middle of a lockdown or a shutdown, whatever you want to call it. And uh, hopefully that will be better in a few weeks. If it's not, I think the pressure to do something different. And I've said this before, Jody, I know we're a little bit over time, but you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And if, if they just keep, if we keep going through the cycle of lockdown, then slight open up, then lockdown again, uh, it's not tenable over over the even the short term, let alone the long term.
0: Well, and that's the thing. As you, you said, you know, they're doing something different. But what what's different? I mean, the only thing I could see is more strict where it's like, are we talking curfews? Are we talking cops coming to our doors at night? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. yeah. So um, I can't see that ever happening. And I, I pray to God that it doesn't. Um But, uh, I think at some point, although I will say this final thing for me is I think the longer this goes on, more and more people are starting to go, wait a second, some of this stuff isn't adding up and you know, there's a lot of questions being posed and more and more people are starting to say, no, you know what, I'm going to open my business or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that because uh, it's their livelihood on the line.
1: Something like 160,000 restaurants in the United States that have closed down forever. And yeah i'm sure there must be, must mean about 12,000 or 10,000 in canada same same deal so uh, it's a tough time for a lot of our uh, entrepreneurs
0: for sure all right well thanks again to municipal solutions you can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca as well lord and lady coffee the perfect drink option for lockdowns you can find them at lordandlady.ca and we ship anywhere in canada tony we will talk again in 7 days Yeah, we've got a great guest lined
1: up, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.